such a great inspiration we are starting our series on faith and sexuality and i have minister sean here minister sean go ahead and introduce yourself hello i am minister lashandra Elias lockhart i am from or living right now in jeffersonville indiana i call it kentuckiana because you know i do a lot of i work over in louisville my wife's business was over in louisville so we crossed that bridge quite a bit so we call it kentuckiana all right, Kentuckiana sound a little country, but I guess it's, 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 it's definitely country, but you know, hey, it works. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I'm glad that you enjoy it over there with your wife. But we can jump right into it. Since you got a little background on you, let's jump right into it. So our first question is, tell me about the story of growing up and discovering your sexuality. I think I always knew that I was a little different. I was, I always kind of felt like, you know, the girls were pretty, but I also felt like, you know, the boys were cute. So I kind of grew up just kind of straddling the fence a little bit. But of course, I migrated towards boys because that's just what, you know, that's what we're just supposed to do. You know, that's just like, that's what we do. But I think as I got older, I really felt a strong attraction towards women. And although I never really said that I was gay or lesbian, I kind of rode that fine line of being bisexual, but I was very honest and open. There came a point in my life where I knew, and I was 29 years old to be exact, I was 29, I just found out that I was pregnant with my son, and I was just like, I really don't like dudes like that, for real. I know I don't want to be up under no man for the rest of my life. That's just not what I want to do, you know? And so it came very evident while I was pregnant that first that I was going to be a single mother because I knew I didn't want to be with the man. And then second, I was going to be a single mother mother that was attracted to women. And um, And I knew that in dating women before that my mother did not appreciate it. My father, although he was the preacher, the pastor, he appreciated every bit of it. He welcomed me, but my mother did not. So I knew that there was going to be some challenges with that. If that makes sense. No, it makes sense. But how do you feel like, do you feel like that made you decide on really standing on what you believe in and really going towards sexuality when it comes to, you know, like parents have a big role when it comes to, you know, how we're formed, like how we grow up. Do you feel like your mom having that output kind of made you straddle a little bit longer? Or did you feel like once you just stepped into it, you just stepped into it? I think it made me straddle a little longer. But once I got pregnant, I knew. I knew that I didn't want to be with a man. And so I'm the oldest of five. 
My mother has two children. My stepfather has three. And so uh, being the oldest, I've always been the one that was willing to just, you know, take a leap of faith. I was always the one that stood my ground that I was going to do whether I, what I want to do, whether you liked it or not. I was that one. I was that child. You know, I appreciate y'all. I love y'all, but I got to be me. And so even though I rode that fence for a little while, I knew that I wasn't going to be doing that very much longer because I had to be me. And me was not, you know, straddling that fence, trying to fit into something, trying to live in this box. I spent a great deal of my adult life in ministry. I was a minister of music at several churches. And I found myself, you know, getting up on Sunday mornings and beating my face to the gods, putting on a four inch heel, looking all that and a bag of chips. And I'm telling you, get up there, direct the choir, sing. And then no less than 30 minutes after church is out, I'm back in a jogging suit, back in basketball shorts, you know, makeup gone. So I found myself living this double life. And I knew that that had to come to an end, especially when I got pregnant, because I wanted to be whether I was going to be gay, straight or bi. I know I need to be a whole individual for my child. And wow. so that's how kind of how I made that decision. I just had to do what was best for me and bringing up a child when I knew it was just going to be me. Wow, that's that's a big deal. That's a big deal, especially having to make that decision and. It's a beautiful thing that you get to bring a child into this world and then making that decision or really be like, I have to set an example. I have to live in my truth in order to provide that example for the child that I have to raise. Absolutely. That's a beautiful thing. The next question is, what Bible verse led you to change your outlook on faith and your sexuality? There's quite a few, but the one that was the most liberating for me, and it set me free. As a matter of fact, a few weeks ago at my home church, Empowerment Liberation Cathedral, which is out of Maryland, my pastor, we had a Stud Sunday event, and I had an opportunity to give my testimony there. And the one verse that sticks out to me is Matthew 7 and 16. And I wrote it down. It says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And what that verse meant to me and the way that it was explained to me growing up is that people will know you by the fruit that you bear, if that makes sense. And like I told you before, I was a minister of music. I directed choirs. I did praise teams. I went in and I would set up whole music ministries at churches. And I was called to a church that had a failing music department. The music department had failed. They had maybe seven or eight people in the choir. They didn't have a praise team. Their youth ministry was failing. They didn't have a men's choir. They didn't have anything that was going on. And the pastor brought me in to fix that. And within six months, everything had changed. We had 30 or 40 people in a choir. We had a praise team that was singing. We had a men's choir. We had a youth choir with 30, 40 kids in it. And then we had a baby's choir that had almost 40 children in it. And I had a woman ask me, she said, how can you? At the church now, she said, how can you stand up there with your hands open to God knowing that you were gay? And I looked her straight in the face and I said, six months ago, y'all didn't have a choir. Y'all didn't have a music ministry. But the Bible tells me that he will know you by the fruit that you bear. And the fruit that has come from the work that I put in this ministry is good. And that set me free. That liberated me because I knew then that God didn't just put me on this earth just to walk around cute all day. He put me on this earth to actually do ministry, to empower people, to liberate people, to motivate people. And the first way that I was able to do that was through music. And he blessed it and he called it good. So that blessed me. And I have lived off that every ministry that I've been a part of has thrived 
And unfortunately, some of those ministries after I left, because the way that I left wasn't always good because I was wanting to be the authentic me, they have failed now. They are now failing and struggling ministries because of the way that they let me go. You know, you're gay, you're this, you're that. But they have to realize that we serve a God that is a liberating God. He's a liberating God to the oppressed and the poor. And who's oppressed in our economy? Women, Black people, the LGBTQ community. All of those marginalized groups are oppressed. And that is just who Jesus is here for. So that helped me. Wow. That, that how was that? I was not expecting that. That's crazy that you even broke down that scripture like that because I would not have brought it into a context like that. Like, I don't think people realize, especially with me growing up, I I can definitely relate to you being a part of the music department because that's just where we are. Like, that's just where we find our creativity. That's where we find our peace. And the fact that church people make it hard for us to be a part of something, we find so much love and passion and so much happiness in and they take it and they bash us when it comes to our sexuality and, and why is that an issue compared to the work that I'm doing? Why is that an issue? And see, and it is a big issue. And see, and that's when I decided that I'm going to had to stop letting the church pimp me out for my gift. Okay. So if you follow me on TikTok, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you know that I have a theme and my theme is celebrated, not tolerated. So I'm only going to occupy spaces that are going to celebrate me and not tolerate me. You're not going to pick, you're not going to tolerate me just for my gift. You're not going to bring me in just to help you build something, but then you're not going to recognize the entire me. So there are a lot of churches now in this city that I don't deal with and they know not to call me because I'm going to tell them no, because you're not going to take me authentically. You're not going to celebrate all of me. You just want to celebrate a piece of me. And that is the reason why they have stuck us in the music department, because, you know, that's where we thrive. And that's what we, but it's it's funny how we sing the songs of that were written by gay men, gay women. You understand what I mean? We'll take those songs and we'll cry and shout and everybody sprawled out of the altar, not realizing that God gave that gay man the gift to write that song that spoke the very heart of that person. And now you are using that person. You're using that song to commune with God daily. Make it make sense. Celebrate me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you we have to be able, and we have to have the strength to be, to say celebrate me. A lot of people haven't broken away from that. A lot of people are just okay with going to church and being able to do what they can and not being celebrated in their space. It's a shame when I have friends that call me and say, my pastor, I've been a part of this church for 25 years. I've given this church over that course of time. And me and my partner, we have adopted a baby and they won't even bless our child because I am in a same sex relationship. Make that make sense. You take my money. You pimp me out for my gift, but you won't bless my child. But guess what? I don't need you to bless my baby because I got a mouth of my own and I can take my God. I can take my child to God in prayer. I can dedicate my own child. Oh, I got a call this week where, hey, hey, sis, I got a couple that wants to get married and I can't marry them because I'm part of this district of of Baptist or this or that. How is that you go and spend your time at a church and your pastor can't even marry you or they won't marry you because they don't want to lose accolades and you lose prestige and all those things at their church 
if they do marry you, because then they'll be put out of the district or the union that they're in. That's, oh, that is so tough. That is really <laughs> tough. I agree with you saying, like, be celebrated, not tolerated. And if you're going to pick me, celebrate the entire me. We take a long, I don't think they realize that it took a long time for us to get to where we are, to where we're like, okay, we're not going to just allow them to see half of us, but l- allow them to see the full us because we're we a full package. We're a full, we're a full deal. We have a lot of different gifts, gifts that we may not even have come to surface with, but to allow me to get the opportunity to surface that gift, like, yeah. And we're not charging you. There's people that's out there charging you to use the gift and we're not charging you. We just want to be a part of a body of Christ that accepts us for the full us, not a portion of us. Exactly. I love that. The next thing is why is homosexuality put at the top of the list of sins than the others? I believe because it is, I guess when you think about it, it is unnatural. It is kind of contrary to nature, if that makes sense. Even when you read the Bible, it says man and woman. And, you know, I took, you know, you know, your rib of my rib and bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh and all those things. So when you read it, that is what it is. But the the I, I think that's what people deal with. They feel like it's perverse. They feel like it is something that should not be done. But if you but people are looking at the act of sex and not looking at actually the emotion or the feelings that those people may have. It's funny. When we think about homosexuality, the first thing we think about is two women having sex or two men having sex. We're not thinking about those two people loving each other, those two people supporting each other, those two people being there for one another. We're not thinking about that. We we go straight to sex. And so that's why it is, I believe, at the top of the list, because even in the Bible, when it speaks of it, it calls it an abomination. But you have to realize that down throughout the years, generation after generation, the Bible has been translated over and over and over and over again. And the word homosexuality didn't enter into the translation of the Bible until the late 1940s. So you have to do your research. You have to be able to read for yourself. I tell people all the time, right now I go to Simmons College of Kentucky. I'll be graduating this year, this May, with my bachelor's in religious studies. And I told a young man, he said to me, he said, I'm not going to go out here and serve this white man's God. And I said, who told you that it was the white man's God? Who told you that? And he said, it is, you know, you know, he got to quoting all these things from Islam. And, and I and I have I have very much respect for, you know, the nation of Islam. I have very much respect for Buddhist Buddhism and all those other relations and all those other religions. But I told him, I said, read your Bible. I said, go to Acts. And, he, and, and I, I said, here, I got a Bible. Go to Acts. And in Acts, it tells about an African eunuch being baptized, accepting Christ, an African eunuch. So what that means is, is that Christianity was over in Africa before they even came over to Africa to get us, to bring us to the Western hemisphere to to settle this place. We were already part of Christianity. There were tribes that were serving Jesus. So it's not the white man's God. We had the God before the white man got it. So we have to read and we have to educate ourselves and we have to stop depending upon the word or the say-so of someone else. I tell people all the time, when you hear me talk, when you hear me preach, when you hear me teach, fact check me. And if I've said something wrong, please come to me because trust me, I'm going to humbly apologize. And if I have to get on a platform to apologize, I will because I don't know it all. 
And I may have misspoke or I just didn't know. I'm very careful when I repeat other people because I want to make sure that's true. And some things that we repeat are just not true. Golly, you are hitting every spot. Wow. I never, I need to go read X. I did not know that. Yeah, read X. Wow, that is touching. Our next question is, isn't the church supposed to be a place for broken people? Yes, absolutely. And it's just, the sad part is, is that you have people there that are broken, but just like you have crabs in a bucket, you have broken people in a bucket. And it's just like when you have a lot of broken people in one space, the unfortunate part is that that, that some people don't even want to see broken people become healed and whole. So however way I can hold you in bondage while I step on your neck and get free, that's what I'm going to do. And it's unfortunate, but it is very, very true. And it happened. I've been hurt in the church several times by people that, you know, you know, Dottie people said by people that call themselves saints. But I I, I want to say by people that call themselves my friend, my friends that I thought had my back have hurt me in the church and made me turn my back for a little while. I stepped down for about a year or two and I joined Bedside Baptist and, you know, I did a whole lot of virtual church, but I knew that I had a call. So I had to come out of it. And at some point you have got to understand that we go to work every single day and somebody on our job, white or black, Hispanic or Asian is going to piss us off. They're going to make us mad, but guess what we're going to do the next day. We're going to get right back up and go back back to that same job because that job pays our bills. So I tell people all the time, if you can get back up and go sit there with them same people that have disrespected you, that will replace you if you do something wrong, then surely you can go back to the church because it's the people that hurt you, not God. So maybe that's not the congregation you need to be a part of. Maybe you need to pray about where you need to be. But don't give up on God because you didn't give up on them people at that job because you want that paycheck, that direct deposit to hit. You understand what I'm saying? So we have to under, we, we have to stop using excuses as to why we don't want to go to church or why we don't want to be a part of a community of faith. We just may need to find a different community of faith. Oh, man, okay. <laughs> that is so true. And I can really relate to that because I feel like right now, that's where I'm at right now with the Bedside Baptist. I know that's bad because I'm so used to going to church every Sunday. And that's where I feel like I start my week going to church on Sunday. But once you get to that bedside, it feels so different. Like you said, like you go to work every single day, no matter how, how much they treat you bad or how bad they piss you off, but you still go to work because you, you got bills to pay. So yeah, I guess that would change my perspective. Like, let me still go to, let me still go to church. Let me find a church that is open and affirming. You know, and I know there are some places in the country where there are no churches that you know of, but you can go to gaychurch.org and it'll tell you every church in the country that is affirming. And that's gaychurch.org. It may not be a church that you're used to going to, but at least you can get back into fellowship. You know, I heard some people say, well, you know, I don't want to go to a predominantly white church because, you know, they don't church like us. But maybe that's where you need to be, because a lot of times. You know, I believe some, I'm a person who I love music. Music is my thing. And, you know, you got some folk who who was saved out of the club. You know, the music brought them in. You understand? Yeah. You know, it was the choir that did it. But after the choir did it for you, what's holding you? 
So sometimes we need to go to church to really get taught the word of God. And maybe that may mean going to a predominantly white church where the music isn't just what you want it to be or what you're used to, because over there, they may be teaching the actual word of God, something that you've been missing. So sometimes we have to step out on faith and get outside of our box to get to the place. I'm stepping out on faith right now. I was an outreach pastor to a church here, right here in Louisville, Kentucky. I loved my church. I never thought that I would be anywhere else. Affirming church, loved my pastor, beautiful man of God, could sing his face off. We have church. You understand? You walked out, you were sweating. You knew that you was at church that day. And it was an affirming congregation. He and his husband, we were mixed, heterosexual, white, black, whatever. We had church. And I never thought that I would not be in that space. And then one day God told me to move. Your season here at this church is gone. It's up. You're done. And I asked God, I said, where am I supposed to go? There's no other affirming church in this area that I want to be a part of. God said, go. And I didn't. I waited. I think it was four and a half, five months before I left. And the day that I get turned in my keys to that pastor and I didn't know where I was going to be going to church. I got a call from another pastor and said, hey, look, I want you to come and be the national outreach pastor for my church. I said, but you're not locally. The church is based out of Maryland, Empowerment Liberation Cathedral. I'm a virtual member of a church that is eight and a half, nine hours away from me. And when I tell you that church, it uses me up. It uses me up. And I'm a part of a movement where we are getting members from all across the country to come and be a part of a virtual space and know that they are appreciated, know that they are welcome. And we have work for you to do. We got stuff. We need engineers to make sure that, you know, the church, that that the podcast go across, that the virtual church is doing what it's supposed to do on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. We need people to do this work. We are getting ready to go on a tour. We're going to start in Philadelphia. We're going to go to Houston. We're going to go to Atlanta. We're going to go to a couple of other states. But we want people to know that there's a place that you can worship, although you may not be able to walk into the building right now. But there's a church that will welcome you and celebrate you and everything that you do and whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to start your own church, this church will help you start a church in your area. I love that. I love that. And if y'all come into Houston, yeah, I might as well just take that drive. I might as well just take that, take that drive <laughs> to go visit y'all for sure. Yeah, because it's hard to find affirming churches in Texas area. So, mm-hmm. hey, if y'all come into Texas, let me know. I'll be there for sure. Another question is, do you believe the experience within the church affected you in a big way? Um, I know you talked about earlier about the church hurt. Do you feel like that kind of in a big way? My church experience growing up has is my life. There is nothing that I have forgotten. I'm still a little bit old school. I'm still like I don't want nobody in the pulpit. Nobody is to be around, but be behind this sacred desk. Like why is the praise team in the pulpit? You know, I'm still a little old school, so I still pull. You know, because I'm I'm I am missionary Baptist to my soul. You know what I mean? I was actually born and pretty much lived there until I was 12 in Odessa, Texas. I'm from Texas. I have a lot of family in Dallas, Fort Worth, Mahia, Texas, Waco, Houston. I have a lot of family there. But in my church, I just, you know, it is who I am to the core. I've always enjoyed going to church. I knew that even if I was going to get hurt in the church, that I was going to forgive because I love God and I love God's people. So I'm a very forgiving person. I'm not foolish, but I'm very forgiving. You know, I can change my rules of engagement, but I will forgive you. 
because the Bible tells us to forgive or he will not forgive us. There's things that we have to do. And I think that church has affected the way that I parent. It affects the way that I even do my job. I don't even call it a job unless somebody's asking me specifically about it. I call it an assignment. I get paid to do what God has called me to do, which is give people who are homeless, give people another chance at having housing. I work in low-income housing. been doing it for 15 years. It is not even a job to me. I enjoy going to work every day. They get on my nerves, but I enjoy it every day because I feel like it is my assignment. It is what God has called me to do. I've been purposed to give people a second chance, people that were living on the street, people that have been evicted, lost jobs. You don't even have to have income to live on my property. And we'll give you a check to pay your utilities. So I think that it is an assignment. And I take it seriously wherever I go. I am, me and my wife, I know if you follow us on TikTok, we play a lot. But she will tell you, I'm very serious about the work of Jesus. And it affects every part of my life. Every part of it. That's beautiful. And that's, wow, that's crazy how we connected because that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do for LGBT youth. I want to provide them a safe place because, you know, like a lot of parents are not always welcoming, especially with this generation just getting older. It's looked at as such a negative way. And I want to provide LGBT youth the a safe place for them to have somewhere to stay, at a teenage and, you know, help them be able to go out on their own, find their jobs, start their own bank accounts where they're creating their savings and really installing them some good resources that they can use, you know, until they get to a certain age and able mm-hmm. to do this on their own. So, absolutely, man, that that is crazy how we connected like that. That is crazy. That's what I really definitely want to do. And that's, okay. and I understand where I'm, where I'm at right now is not my a complete assignment, but it's definitely a step stone for me to get closer to the assignment that I want to do. Absolutely. I love that. The next question is how do churches unintentionally alienate LGBTQ kids? I think that they, um, I don't think it's unintentional. I honestly don't think it's unintentional. I think it's very intentional how they alienate LGBT children. LGBTQ children, because they're not trying to do anything as far as how to educate themselves on how to even establish a, even like a, you know, a, a, you know, a trusting relationship. We just turn our backs on them all together. And if you can't do this, and if you're a boy, if you're too girly, then we don't want to deal with you. If you're, you know, they'll deal with women who are tomboys because they feel like, you know, they can tone it down a little bit. But if you cut your hair off and you have a fade and this and you come to suit and slacks and a button down and tie, then they alienate you on that. I don't I don't think that it is unintentional at all. I honestly don't. That is very true. And I don't I don't think it should be an issue for a, a young man deciding to be in tune with his femininity because it doesn't it doesn't necessarily say that he's you know, he's a part of the community. It's just that he's just more in tune with the feminine things, you know, like and that's OK, like. Why is that looks why is that look so bad when it comes to the church? Like it's okay to not always have to be alpha male. Like, you know, it's okay to exactly. tone it down. Another thing is how can churches help parents and LGBT kids empathize with each other? Well, they first have to educate themselves. They first have to get some knowledge. They first have to let down their own guard. They first have to let go of the misconceptions that are surrounding homosexuality queer, LGBTQIA, you have to let all that go. And you have to understand that when we are born and we come into this world, 
and the doctor smacks us on our butt and he sees either vagina or a penis, we have to, that's when we figure out then, oh, we're going to buy all this blue stuff. We're going to buy all this girl, you know, this pink stuff. And then if it's a boy, he got to be outside playing. If it's a girl, she needs to be inside doing nails and having tea parties. But what happens if that boy don't want to go outside and play? You now call him a punk. You always want to be in the house up under the women. So we have to educate ourselves and stop relying on what is between our legs to actually make that part of who we are. Because sometimes we have a little bit more estrogen. Sometimes we have a little bit more testosterone. Sometimes, although it says one thing on the outside, there's something totally different that's going on on the inside. And I think if more parents will become more sensitive to that and get to know their children instead of putting all these expectations on their children, then we can empathize and help bring parents and LGBT children together and help them to understand each other on a common ground. That's that is so beautiful. That is so good to hear because I really I really feel that I, I understand that because when I was growing up, it was just like, oh, you're supposed to be cooking. You're supposed to be cleaning like but I want to go outside. Like, <laughs> I want to go outside. Like, well, I got to cook and clean and do all these wifely things. And I'm, you know, I don't take it for granted because I appreciate, uh, you know, those traits that were installed into me and shown. But I wanted to go outside and ride my bike. I wanted to go play basketball with the boys. Like, I wanted to do those things too. So as I got older, it kind of became harder for me of like, what should a female do and what should a man do, you know? And that's a big thing within the community of, because I'm dressed more masculine, then you just automatically assume that I take the man role. Yeah, these gender roles. All these gender roles. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, the way that I dress, I am a tomboy, but I love being a woman. My wife will tell you, and if you follow us on TikTok, you know that she is extra makeup, heels, wigs, everything. And I'll come out with a button down. You know, I'm all about my joggers, my Jordans, my tennis shoes, all that stuff. But guess who does all the cooking in this house? I do. Guess who does all the grocery shopping in this house? I do. But that's what I like to do. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy going to the grocery store. So I think that we get in trouble when we start trying to figure out gender roles and trying to place people in a place where they need to be or where you think that they should be. Yes, that's a beautiful thing. Another thing, another question I have, we're almost done with these questions. But the second to last one is, how do you overcome the church hurt? that was placed to shame those within the community. I know you may not cannot you may not be able to give a full general of maybe how everyone should take the approach to this, but what do you feel like helped you in order to overcome this church hurt? I think that I first had to forgive those people and then I then had to educate myself. I had to dig in the scriptures, I had to find what I knew was an okay for me. Because I, I think where people get messed up as they're trying to find something in scripture that says, okay, it's okay for you to be with Susie. Go ahead, Laura. You could be, they're looking for that. And you're not going to find that. You're just not. So you have to be able to look into those stories and figure out what God was actually saying in the original interpretation. So we have to first forgive with the first educate ourselves. And then we have to surround ourselves with like-minded people people that are on your same roads, people that are on your same journey, people who have been through the journey, who have gone through being put down and talked about because they're gay or lesbian or they're trans or whatever the case may be, and they have overcome. Those are the people you want to get connected with. Those are people you want to surround yourself with. 
so they can build you up even on those because there will be days when you will get second guess yourself like lord am i really supposed to be doing this because i don't know but you still need somebody that's going to be there that's going to help you over that that's going to help you through that and i would say continue to read the bible you have to read it but you have to ask god to give you a different perception you have to read it. You know, we, we've been taught the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah over and over and over again. And we've been told that that story was because, the, you know, they were sleeping with men and the angels. That's not what that was about. That was about violence. Them people were not hospitable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's get to the root of the story. And if we don't do that, and if we allow somebody else to tell us what they think it is, or without you doing your own research, then you'll continue to live a life in the closet. You'll continue to live a life where you just don't understand who you are and where you're supposed to be. And you'll never fulfill your call. So then you know that you're not pleasing God, but then you think you're not pleasing God on two different things. I'm not pleasing God because I'm gay and I'm not pleasing God because I'm not walking out my calling. But the truth of the matter, the fact that you are gay is a gift. Now walk out your calling. It's okay. He made you that way. People tell me all the time, well, you know, when children are born and they're, you know, that you know, your parent has a decision, you know, when your child is down syndrome and they give them a decision of whether they want to abort the pregnancy or go on. But then you say, God doesn't make mistakes and you allow for that child to be born. What's the difference between a down syndrome baby being born and a baby that's born gay? God didn't make no mistakes. God created each of those people to be exactly who he wanted them to be for his purpose, for his glorification. So we got to stop making a difference in things. That's a beautiful, like, visual for people because exactly if God didn't make any mistakes, you decided to keep the Down syndrome baby. What's wrong with the baby that's, that that ends up getting older and becoming that, you know, they're more aware of themselves and they, you know, they're a part of the community. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Our last question how can families heal damaged relationships? So those families that are within the Christian community and have put on that insecurity onto their child and hurt that child, how do you feel like they can work towards healing that relationship? Again, forgive, education, and seek therapy. You first have to forgive. That's during this time right now, we're in a Lent season. And so, you know, during Lent, you give up something, you go to God for forgiveness, you repent. And this is a good time to go to a child or a family member and say, you know, hey, look, I haven't handled you correctly. I don't understand it, but I apologize. I love you. I want to understand it. I don't get it. But that's the thing. We have to have parents and family members that are willing to say, I don't know what's going on here, but I know that I love you. And when we have more of that, instead of pride coming out, instead of people being embarrassed about whatever's whatever, I can appreciate Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. I can appreciate how they educated themselves and all that they've done for their, da- for their daughter, Zaya, is support her. And even in that support, they're still protecting her because she's still a child, 13, 14 years old. She's still young. But the thing that really blessed me was that they educated themselves. And then the fact they didn't deny it. He said he knew when that boy was, when that young lady was younger. 
that he was different, that she was different, right? So he didn't deny that. And this, that's what we do. We'll go and shove a football in the hand. Or we'll say, you know, or we'll go do something that'll make the girl, you need, you, you need to go find you a man. We'll, we'll do things instead of meeting that person where they are and understanding why they feel the way they feel. My mother has two children, my stepfather, three. I know there was a point in my mother's life where she felt like she had failed as a parent because my brother and I are both gay. Both of her biological children are gay. And I know that there was a point in her life where she felt like she had failed because it was okay if LaShondra was gay, but not my baby, Jeremy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not my baby boy. <laughs> you know, that was something different. And I believe me getting pregnant, my mother just kind of realized some things. But one, she got her a grandbaby, so she was okay. But two, she realized that LaShondra's going to be who LaShondra wants to be, and I can't stop that. So I may as well support her. I may as well get to know her. I may as well take all of my expectations off of her and allow God to use her the way that he sees fit to use her because she don't have control anyway. So I think that when we get to a place where we can ask for forgiveness, we can get some education, we can seek some therapy and have some really deep conversations. I think that is when we can begin to heal damaged relationship. I believe that's when we begin to restore and begin to do some mending that's really needed, especially in the black community. We've been attacked on every hand. We're dealing with Louisville, Kentucky with the Breonna Taylor thing. We have black on black crime. We got, we have so much going on within our community, but then the community is turning against itself because of the black queer community. And so we have to have we have to have some type of foundation. We have to have something. And the church has always been that foundation. The church has always been that beacon light for us. But as the years go on and generations go by and decades and decades go by, the church is losing its respect in the black community because we're not open to all people. When the word of God says that all people matter to God, he's a liberating God. So if he stood for you and your grandparents and your grandparents' grandparents while they was out there picking cotton, guess what? Those were my grandparents too. And he freed them. And so because of that, because Jesus died, we're all free. So at the end of the day, we have to forgive, educate, seek therapy, and get some understanding. Let's have some dialogue. Let's talk about it. Don't just tell me that I'm not nobody because I love a woman. Don't tell me that I can't adopt children. Don't tell me, you know, they're making laws right now where, you know, if you're under the age of 18, you have to use the pronouns that match what's in between your legs. Laws are being passed right now. People are fighting for rights right now. And we're worried about whether who I'm sleeping with when there's other issues in the church that need to be dealt with. The real issues. And we don't want to talk about the real issues. The real issues of adultery, the real issues of thieving, the real issues of drug addiction and alcoholism, the real issues of, you know, sexual immorality regarding, you know, being touched inappropriately by your uncle, but yet we supposed to just forgive? So let's talk about the real issues. Who I'm sleeping with does not affect the condition of my heart and how I love and serve God.
It doesn't affect the pastor that's sleeping around on his wife when he get up there and preach every Sunday, does it? See, I call a spade a spade. I don't mind calling them out. I got friends that are in the pulpit. And they say, come over to the church. You know, I'll let you do this and I'll let you do that. No, I can't stand in your church. I can't stand in your pulpit. I can't stand behind the sacred desk. Why? Because I know that you're not right with your wife. See, I have some standards of my own. But we're so used to being beat down that we'll take whatever bone is thrown to us. But we have to learn how to celebrate ourselves. And we have to have family members that's going to celebrate us. And that is the reason why I'm so in love with the relationship that Dwayne Wade has with his daughter, the relationship that his brother, you know, Zaya and her brother are very close. That's a family that has talked about it, that has prayed about it, that have educated themselves, that have gone through therapy. That is a family. And if we had more of that, then I don't think that we will be in such a uproar right now in everything that's going on in this country. We could be more solidified. That is for sure a great example. I definitely agree with the Dwayne. Even the fact that Gabrielle Union got her award on one of these award shows, mm-hmm. and she still stayed, made it a statement about her importance of fighting towards trans lives, like how people are being targeted because they're a part of the LGBT community. And I yeah. love how you can definitely, I can agree with that. You can definitely tell that that family worked through some things. They worked through the odds of whatever type of their own stipulation that they may have within themselves and decided to say like, hey, no, like this is not my life. This is her life. And I'm going to support her because of the love I have for her. And I'm going to support her. And I'm going to love her because I love her as a person, not because of anything else that follow along, no no other labels and nothing like that. And that's if more families would have did that within the, you know, the body, Life would be a little bit more peaceful. Like, we yeah, like, there wouldn't be so much. The suicide rate wouldn't be the way that it is. I was watching Fatal Attraction last night on TV One. Uh, a good friend of my trans man, Dr. Elijah Nichols, Nicholas, was on there as a trans awareness person. But it was a trans young lady that got killed in Little Rock a couple years ago. And her story was on TV One last night, Fatal Attraction. And it was basically where the young man, he knew who she was accepted her, but he didn't want to be seen with her. She wanted to come out with their relationship. And he said no, so he killed her. Because he couldn't he felt something was wrong with him for being attracted to a trans woman. Because of everything that we hear that's regarding it. The derogatory words, you know, the negativity that that surrounds, you know, being gay or being lesbian. You know, we're not nice to each other. We are not. (laughs) We just not (laughs) nice to each other. So I felt so horrible for her parents who accepted her for who she was. And then for a young man who she thought accepted her, but was afraid to come out, you know, killed her. So now you have two lives that are gone. This trans woman and this young man who's going to spend the rest of his life in jail for killing her. And you've destroyed a whole family. But it's only because of what we've been taught. You know, we give high fives when we know our partner is got a girl and a chick on the side. How is that honorable? How is that okay? But you have more prestige and more respect in your community if you're a player. So I just think that we need to really, really regroup. We need to educate ourselves. We need to bring in some experts. 
We need to change some of the way that things are done in the church. We need to do it. and We need to do it quickly because there's going to be a whole generation that's not going to even step foot that that hasn't even stepped foot in the church because the mamas are getting younger. The grandmamas are getting younger. So everybody in the club and nobody's going to the church. So you can really lose a whole generation of people. And that would be a shame. That is true. That mean the church, the church right now is at its largest because, you know, everybody was in COVID. Everybody couldn't go to church. So now everybody wants to go back to church. But now, like you said, the grandmothers are getting are getting younger. Mamas are getting younger when it comes to having their first kid. And the church has already been labeled as a place where broken people are not are not wanted. There's, you know, there's stipulations when it comes to someone walking into the door like, oh, you look like that then. OK, well, yeah, let's they turn around and look, too. Yeah, <laughs> they, they be ready to look and they'll stare they'll you be, down. They'll give you that. Cool eye. Like, yeah, Lord, why? Maybe give you the no. eye. Oh yeah, they not, yeah. not gonna, the church gonna get smaller. Yeah, and, and that's not okay. And then you know you, you know now you know you really don't give hugs in church no more since COVID. So you give them daps, you give them the right hand of fellowship, whatever. Okay, they barely want to give you, you know, a fist bump. They, they you know, what take your own funky fist? I don't want it no way. You know, oh evil self, about to bust hell wide open. That's what come through my mind. <laughs> Because you, know, because, you know, I still have a sense of humor. I'm still really, really crazy. But I'm, I, that's what I be thinking. I be like, God, Lee, you mean? You ain't got to be that mean. Ain't nobody to you, you know, and then you want somebody to come to your church and you mean like that? You ought to get yourself together. Honestly, because it is such a turnoff. It is such a turnoff. You've been sitting in the same seat. In the same row, giving the same $30 every week, and your heart has not been transformed. You know the word. You know church, but you don't know God. How do you live 70, 80 years, go to church every Sunday, participate, vacation Bible school, Bible study, prayer meeting, church picnic, youth trip, and your heart and your mind hasn't been transformed. That's crazy to me. Oh, oh church, Lord. Church. This is definitely an extended topic. Like, we can go on and on for hours about yeah. this faith and sexuality, especially when it comes to being in the church, because it's definitely a topic that there's so many different categories, so many different topics that you can fall under this. But I do want to close out on you like doing a prayer for those who may have, you know, maybe currently in a stage of struggling with that and trying to just figure out their way, like which way could they go just so their mind could be at ease. It's hard to be in a world that has, you know, stuff constantly going on and, Absolutely. you know, fighting with a battle within yourself. So I definitely want to close out with that, but I definitely want to say, I appreciate you joining. I appreciate oh, you no taking no us some time and giving us some gems this is not going to be the last time that we see you because you are a person of many gems. Um, but I definitely appreciate you so, so much. Absolutely. Hold on just a second. Let me, because I got down to 10%. I thought, I guess my son was on my computer. So let me plug this up. No, you're good. Go ahead. I don't want this to shut off real quick. There we go. A little bit of juice there. All right. So I guess we'll go ahead and go to God in prayer. Lord God, we thank you. We bless you and we honor you. I thank you for this platform, dear God, on faith and sexuality. I thank you, Lord God, for how you are empowering 
educating and motivating us in every area of our lives. To God, I thank you, Lord God, for the people that will hear this. I pray, Lord God, that you open their hearts and their minds, that they will have a different perspective once it is over, dear God. I ask that you be with the young lady, Miss Sophie. I pray, Lord God, that you be with her, that you show her what her assignment is, that you give her the resources, dear God, to complete her assignment, dear God. I ask that you be with her and everything that she touches, God, will be blessed. I ask, Lord God, that you be with each and every person that is a part of the LGBTQ community right now, dear God. Those people who are unsure about themselves, I pray, Lord God, that today that you would touch them, that you would comfort them, and that you would let them know that they are okay and that you love them in spite of what everybody else may be doing. I pray, Lord God, that you give the whole entire church a different perspective when it comes to the LGBTQ community. I pray, Lord God, that you open up their minds and show them the scriptures and what it says, how we should love and how we should be there for one another and how we should always love our neighbors as we should love ourselves. We love you today, dear God, and we thank you for everything that you've done. We bless you, dear God, for everything that you're going to do. And dear God, we honor you for your darling son, Jesus, that died on the cross for each of us so that we all may have a right to the tree of life. We love you today and we honor you. In Jesus' name I pray and I ask it all. Amen and thank you, God. Amen. Purchase your tracks today. Well, that concludes this episode of Soph. Yeah. Say it with your chest. Yeah. With your host, yeah. Soph. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah. See you next time. Soph, say it with your chest. Soph, say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. Yeah.